Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Welcome back to another episode of OsteoCast. Uh, with myself, Colby, and our other hosts, Amanda and Sarah. Say hello, guys. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, all. We're, we uh, we generally record in the morning uh, before our clinical days get going, you know, get a good conversation and warm our minds up before the days are. Um, so today we wanted to talk about with you guys is what we're currently doing and what we're kind of currently interested in for our own educations and, and develop our, developing ourselves professionally, whether that is uh, in the field of osteopathy or business. So we're just going to kind of jump right into it and not be shy on that realm and, and have that conversation. So um, I'll leave that off with you guys for now. What are you guys currently doing for self-development in the osteopathic world? What are you guys doing for your own education? So definitely the biggest thing is uh, for myself is actually reflection after the end of my clinical day. Um, You know, we're at lunchtime. I do like to prepare for my clients coming in. So just taking a look at who I have coming in, um, you know, how we left them at the last treatment, anything I need to consider, research, look up before they walk in that door to make sure I'm prepared to give them the best treatment possible, you know, find answers to problems that we might be stuck on. And then, of course, uh, with that being said, I'll turn to my uh, textbooks, my osteopathic literature, whether that's online or my hard books I have, uh, just to help kind of guide me and help open up my thinking pattern, especially if you kind of find yourself uh, doing the same thing in the clinic or kind of going to the same type of treatments. It's a really good way to even just spending 10 minutes reading, you find that the wheels get turning and you can start to change up how you're approaching that problem or how you're approaching that patient. Um, So a book I've been uh, really enjoying so far is the Ligamentous Articular Strain, which we've probably all read before, Um, but it's a good little book to go back to that's kind of a light read that's... um, just a quick little read if you only have kind of 10 minutes in your day to get through a few pages or so. So I've been enjoying that. What about you guys? Um, I would say currently right now, although um, I would mimic some of the stuff that you're doing, Sarah, in terms of just making sure you're prepped for patients, looking things up, um, coming prepared for your workday. Um, I'm also currently rereading lesionology, which is something we read in our third year. Um, which has been just beneficial to kind of review some of um, some of the things and just expand my thinking a little bit. Um, and the other thing has been um, just to make sure that I'm also recording some, like just for myself, recording patient outcomes. Um, so for example, although we take notes with patients, um, just reading through different or sorry, writing down different things that I've done to help with certain lesion patterns, or um, I tried this new thing, for example, or this new, um, like new way about thinking, like whether it's just going uh, muscular and then to the bony layer, or whether it's indirect or direct, writing that stuff down and um, really following through with how that's changed things. And if I saw that there was a really beneficial change with patients, um, 
So from an osteopathic standpoint, that's where, what I'm looking at. I would love to take, um, a couple courses coming up, but, um, I haven't really looked into, into anything outside of that, but yeah. How about you, Colby? What kind of of courses interest you at this point in time, Mandy? Um, so we did a pediatric course last year, so I'd love to expand some thinking on that. Um, I would say that I'm definitely seeing, we were talking about this before the podcast to a lot of patients who are either pregnant currently, um, or are, have had babies. A lot of patients have had babies in the last little while. Um, yeah, lots of, lots, lots of COVID babies. So I would love to expand my practice a little bit more that way. Um, and I'm seeing that happen naturally. So, um, that's one place and yeah, I mean, I really do think that there's a movement component to, to treatment. So I've also kind of want to look into how to incorporate more of that into my practice and make sure that, um, patients are kind of getting more benefit, um, whether that just be a little bit of guidance in, you know, how they're moving or, um, how to properly pattern movements after a treatment so that, you know, they're not current, they're not re- having reoccurring patterns happen from doing the same thing all day. So there's definitely different guidance we can give them um, just from a, a treatment standpoint, but I don't, I still see there being more of a component to that. I'm not really sure what that looks like yet, but um, yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about that before the podcast. So yeah. um, I, I agree with you that there should be some level or some component of movement guidance with it. it I, I don't necessarily mean it needs to be performance-based, but at least to yeah. help some guidance in terms of what movements can be done and how to go about getting the body to to regain some of that motion. Because we always talk about it, that the body has the ability to heal itself, which it 100% does. Um, but sometimes the body needs to be given the opportunity to do so with regular movement, blood flow, breathing, things like such. And if we're limiting those capacities right now because of our – uh, everyday environments and our habits, then that's going to be limited globally, which will reduce the healing process, right? No, I was just going to say, I think that the movement component is big. And I think that being able to instruct and guide people, whether or not it's go for a walk or add this stretch or exercise or movement into their life, especially if you have the ability to be creative based on that patient specific lesion pattern, then I think it can be very valuable. So I agree with yeah. that completely. And I just feel like people have no idea where to start and it's very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And to your point, making sure that they're moving in a way that's helpful for their lesion pattern is very, very important um, because you don't want them just going, you know, to the gym by themselves and, and, or whether that be at home or at a gym or whatever, and doing something that's maybe counterintuitive um, or counterproductive to treatment. So yeah. Yeah, I do think that that's an important piece. The other thing to consider with the movement part is that I know we've worked with uh, clients in the past as trainers or strength coaches, and those people generally are there, either they already have decent movement capacities or they're looking to improve their movement capacities, where a lot of the patients you see in the osteopathic clinic are looking to feel better, but not necessarily improve their movement capacity and and quality. Mm Mm-hmm. So I find even changing how you do assessment and adding in more active assessments 
kind of shows the client too, okay, you know, you can't forward fold very well, or how is your balance? Okay, you don't have great balance on that right leg. You know, let's do treatment and retest it after so you can see the changes. And we can figure out kind of what parts of your body are compensating, or maybe specific muscle groups aren't being turned on because you do such habitual and repetitive motions that you, you know, you always step up with your left foot, but you never step up with your right foot, like little stuff like that and bringing their attention to it, I find goes a long way, just kind of bringing their awareness to any imbalances they might have. And like you guys said, then suggest different patterns or um, at least tell, showing them the different movements that they can be doing to help open up that lesion pattern and just help kind of break that pattern reflex loop that's created been created in their body. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's education is always a huge part, right? So if you can give that client a little bit extra um, that they can take home and it's manageable and, you know, they see that difference, it, it can, it can change their thought process when it comes to how they move and how they, how they view um, kind of health, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the simple stuff go a long way, right? Like how many times do we see just ribs completely shut down and just asking them to raise their arms overhead and adding some side bending into their day just to help open up that rib cage and just kind of get that spine mobility moving a bit more. And once they start, then they start to feel the beneficial results and they feel that increase in blood flow and they actually want to keep going, right? It doesn't become a chore anymore or, you know, homework that they're dreading. They can feel the benefit and feel how it will impact their health uh, and longevity. Yep. So true. What courses are you working on, Colby, or kind of what's your plan of action going forwards? Um, Lately, I've been uh, working through just some of the other, I'm not going to say other sides of osteopathy, but just, just expanding my knowledge and a pathway. So the last probably six months, and then I'm probably going to be busy with what the material that I have and the application and reflection of it and refinement of it for a handful of years. But, um, right now, um, partly into the cranial and biodynamic components. So I've been reading Sutherland and, and Roland Becker quite a bit mm-hmm. and just recently got on to uh, doing some reading as well as some lectures with uh, James Jealous. The, all, all three of those physicians are passed now. Those DOs are passed on now, but going through their their readings and trying to apply the stuff that they're talking about and understand it just to make a change to, to the body at a different level at least. Um, looking outside of purely the mechanical model, which has been kind of eye-opening and some of the results have been pretty wild just to see how things are going, but it's a definite process to increase the level of palpation along with uh, calming everything down and slowing down in practice enough to allow the body to do its job. Uh, but those would be the the handful. And I mean, they all have a handful of books, so we're not going to talk about each and every book, but um, I think I've picked up like 10 or 11 books recently, as well as I started reading a little bit more of the historical journals, whether it was a journal for cranial osteopathy or American uh, osteopathic journal or the American association, but a handful of different uh, journals just to get into those older articles. And the really neat thing with some of the articles opposed to reading the texts is that those physicians had to take their text or what they know or what they teach and put it all into, you know, a one hour lecture 
or a one hour article. So it's nice to go through the articles because you kind of get the Coles notes and the, the meat and potatoes of the books. And then you can go through the book and extrapolate it and see why their thought process was the way that it was, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. And I find cranial more than ever is, you know, so, I mean, I guess it's always been needed, but just, you know, obviously since the pandemic and it's been a bit better, but it still continues where people's, the nervous system is so heightened and you're not going to get into any mechanical treatment until you calm everything down. Well, that's the interesting thing is the more you get into it, it's not just it's osteopathy in the cranial field. It's not cranial osteopathy. Yeah. A lot of people assume cranial osteopathy is treating the skull, treating the skull and the sacrum, craniosacral work. Um, but it's not. It's it's really a conversation in terms of treating the the body at a different level. We talk about like mind, body, spirit for osteopathy, and it really gets into actually treating the the health and the vitality of the patient opposed to treating the mechanical body. And using the health and vitality to allow the body to, to deal with its own mechanical issues, which has been quite a bit different because originally I was the same way. It was like, okay, well, what's on the, what's going on with these sutures? How can we get the, you know, the suboxaput and the sutures to calm down the rest of the body? How can we go through and coordinate the sacrum to the, the occiput to get that to allow the body to release? And part of that mechanically needs to be take place and along with treating through the dura of the spine. Mm-hmm getting into the like the fluid body or getting into the the little bit more cranial component of it or biodynamic approach as uh jealous would say has been definitely an interesting tool to add to the toolbox it doesn't mean that it takes everything over but it's uh it's it's quite interesting to see when you give it a chance but it uh i mean i've been doing it for probably six months just on and off with patients and at home and practicing and applying um and i feel like i'm barely even at the tip of the iceberg so it's pretty neat i feel like too there's a whole side of that field that either without digging into it and reading about it for yourself and finding that side of it like there's just so much of a wealth of information in that area and i think it's become like the new taboo topic right like I feel like a lot of people have come into the clinic recently being like well do you do cranial sacral work because that's what i want like okay well do you understand what that is yeah yeah <laughs> like and and how that how that benefits the whole whole person and the whole body and yes that's an osteopathic technique and yes that's something we can use but there's a time and a place for it we need to make sure that um, we're using those techniques appropriately for you and that that specific might not be what you need right there's different different uh different ways to use it and it's important to to still yeah, assess and, and treat for sure. And that's the, the, the really interesting part about it is that, um, that I wasn't expecting cause I, I was quite mechanical uh, in the past with treatment. Um, but the really interesting component of it is that it, I re- it requires far, 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 far less mechanical work than I had expected to get results because of the, the changes the body makes on its own level of health, which is pretty cool. But it's definitely something that you have to approach and apply. And the other thing that happens, especially in osteopathy, is that there's so much variance and difference between um, different kinds of osteopathy and strains of it. And it's really become more separated than ever, I think, nowadays, where if you go back and read the texts and the the stuff from the, the earliest osteos and the first couple strings, like prior to like, I don't know, 1920, let's say. 
um, this kind of biodynamic or cranial model or whatever model you want to talk about it is, um, it was used just as part of treatment. It's all just part of osteopathy, but we always like to distinguish the difference between, you know, cranial or mechanical or indirect or balanced ligamentous technique or this or that. But it's like, what does the body need to do better? And sometimes that's mechanical. Sometimes that's getting the body to, to function better. Sometimes that's using the body's own uh, rhythm or life force to do work. It just depends on what that patient needs. Right. And how do you determine what that patient needs? Cause I get well, that question really... asked a lot, right? How do you know where to go or how do you decide what to do? Well, part of it is assessment based. And then just like anything else, it's, it's your first time seeing the patient. Oftentimes it's their first time seeing you too. Right. So part of it is going through those assessments and the other part is reflecting on the change. Right. So it's like, okay, well, I always tell my patients to give me some feedback on how they're doing because there's going to be a, a subjective change on their manner where it's like, hey, you know, I felt great for three days and then I got sore again. Or, hey, I felt so bad for two days and then I got better again. Or, hey, I felt great the whole time or there's no changes at all, whatever it may be, along with the objective changes in terms of how their body's moving how the quality of their respiration is, how the quality of their movement capacities is. And then you compare those two kind of pieces together. And that gives you an idea in terms of how their body's responding to what you gave it. And if what you gave it for treatment is, wasn't effective then, or was, didn't have the most optimal response, then you kind of change up what you were doing in order to find what's best for them. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's obviously guidelines on it. Like if a patient's super, super sympathetic and they're really worked up and they're sweaty, then it's going to change what you're doing versus if they come in and they're very calm and relaxed. So there's guidelines in terms of what you're going to come up with for the first time. But I think after that, it's, it's making sure that you're adapting to what the patient's body's asking for. And it's very uh, intuitive based. You know, you can just feeling the energy of the client when they walk in the room, like Colby just said, are they, you know, sympathetic? Are they all worked up? Are they calm? Um, and as Amanda said, too, what worked before well, what didn't work for them, and then switching up your treatment plan, um, you know, and as you assess, you'll be able to tell and know easily what's happening. And if you're still unsure, just keep doing more assessment, right? So there's nothing wrong with having half your treatment or more being assessment because you're trying to figure out what is that main lesion problem or what is what does that client need today you know how do i undo this lesion pattern um, and just really figuring out what's happening with that client maybe sometimes you have to take a few layers off to help you figure out what that bottom bottom lesion pattern is or kind of what's holding everything um, in that pattern of dysfunction which is super cool. And I do find too, you know, your clients are like, you know, you, for example, you, you know, you balance out the sacrum or you work on the diaphragm and then all of a sudden they feel like their head clear or, you know, that pain in their shoulder disappears and they look at you and they're like, oh my God, like I forgot how related the body is and how it works together. So I also find that to be, um, you know, really good feedback from the client when they actually you're educating them through that treatment process on how everything's related and just explaining to them the anatomy and how it does all correlate together. It's so cool. I love it. That is the one thing I really, really enjoy about this profession is that 
I feel like there's always constant growth. Like there's always something you can learn. There's always like a new piece of the puzzle. You know, I don't feel like I get bored or, you know, I've reached that, like I've reached my potential in, in my capacity um, as a practitioner. There's always that option or availability for you to take it to the next level or level up your, your treatment and make sure that, you know, you're giving your patients the best. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we came on to talk about like kind of what we do courses or books or whatnot, because you never want to feel stagnant in your clinic or in your practice. And if you're starting to feel that way, just set aside some time and just start reading and you will start to feel those wheels turn and um, just start to approach your treatments a little bit differently. When we're all at a point to where our practices have been in place for a little while, right? Yeah. So we're all in a position where, you know, we didn't just finish school or, you know, we haven't been, you know, we haven't been trying to set up all the practices and all the other things that go behind or run in the background of running a practice. We're all in a position where, you know, this is, this is the opportunity that we've created for ourselves by creating a practice that runs smoothly. And, and now this is, I mean, we're always going to be at a different point, right. But making sure that, you know, we're continuing to learn and to grow is an important part of getting to that point and making sure that, you know, you're open to those things. Yeah, for sure. And for listeners, if you guys were wondering why we aren't doing like actual courses and stuff right now, I think it's mostly just because of the landscape and how the world is. Yeah. You can't, uh, there's no like in-person, like I would prefer to do some in-person courses and, and seminars and stuff if I could, uh, just because I like to have the interaction with the other osteos and stuff that are there. But obviously this year, well, last two years, I guess now, um, that's not been an option. So I'm sure that in the future, if we revisit this, you'll see a little bit of difference where we're actually going to a hands-on course or going to live lectures and things. But right now it's mostly uh, self-guided learning because of the landscape of the the world right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It'll be nice when we can go in person again. Oh yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else to add in regards to some of the readings you guys have done or have we kind of gone over that? No, No, I think we look pretty good. Maybe we can, in a future podcast, we can talk more about the business side of things and things that we're doing to make sure, you know, that those things are on track. But yeah, as far as osteopathic wise, I think we've covered that off. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys for joining me, Sarah and Amanda, and thank the listeners for listening to us uh, chit chat about some of our education and what we've got going on right now. So we appreciate you guys for listening. And if you want to reach out, ask us questions or give us some questions, comments, complaints, so we can get better at what we do, uh, reach out to us at osteocast underscore on Instagram or at osteocast on, uh, on Facebook. Okay. But thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys next week. Talk to you next week. Bye guys. Thanks for listening.